So, hi guys, and uh, welcome to the Growth Point TV uh, podcast. Uh, this is episode 10, and today I'm joined with Farai Mubuti. Um, he is the founder and CEO of the Southern African Times, which is a digital um, newspaper um, covering a lot of stories pertaining to the South African region. He's also um, a contributor with Arise News. And he's also been on so many other platforms, including BBC, Al Jazeera, and Voice of Africa. Um, the reason I got Farai on the podcast is just to interview him about how he started his uh, digital newspaper and also just to cover how to get into the, the media industry in terms of becoming a contributor. Um, and like I was just talking to Farai before we started, he's also involved in quite a lot of things. He's been involved in recruitment. Um, he sits on the boards for a few companies right here in the UK, as well as being a musician. So quite a lot of things we're going to talk about today. So welcome to the podcast, Farai, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, yeah. So and, um, so I think just to start off, uh, I think we just want to ask you, how did you sort of um, start your, your, your digital newspaper? And what was the reason for you actually starting that a platform if you might say well, well, well thanks again for having me you know it's um it's a really simple story you know i was uh i was working uh, uh at the time i think i was running um the recruitment company timeflex but even before that i worked for companies like barclays and, and uh, reed and so forth and i often notice when you're working in the city that uh, you know when people are on their lunch breaks they're always reading the economist Wall Street journal all these great fantastic publications uh, but when it comes when it came to sharing my African sort of publications or storytelling around Africa, it was always very negative, um, um, and 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 people would approach you more sorrowful than wanting to seek insight, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> it was like, sure. wow, you're from Africa. What happened? Like, who died? You know? What I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, true. <laughs> so, so, and it, it got tiring. You know, you know, my identity being my identity being tied to a tragic story. You know, if it's not slavery here in the UK, or or you know, or or the issue of uh, you know colonization, and, and then and what they you know the coups and the poverty and all that stuff. And it was always a bad story, you know. Mm. And so um, I I was very passionate about that, and I wanted to do something about it. So uh, I didn't know I didn't quite understand what I would do, um, but then early. You know, early, I think early 2018, I started thinking about wouldn't it be good to have uh, our own version of Bloomberg and the New York Times and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that told our story, uh, that of course appreciated the multiple challenges that were there, but also looked for the gold, looked for the, for the opportunities, looked for the multiple indigenous businesses that are growing, the domestic uh, entrepreneurs that are there, the startups, the fintech, all these great stories that were coming out, mm. but they were not being highlighted. And to me, the motivation was, we just need to tell our own story, one, but two, we need to reshape the story and own it, and, and, but equally work in alignment with growing economies. Because sometimes people speak just out of ignorance, mm. you know, not that they mean any harm, but they just don't, don't have any insight. So I wanted to create an, a, a, a platform that whose messaging would have been palatable, would be palatable rather, to the European markets and all the global markets, but equally ensuring that it preserves the dignity and integrity of what we are building as a continent. And that's really where the story began. And then I, I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, um, I'm a Times reader and I loved, I, lo- I, I like what 
you know, what the Times do. And I like the branding. And I thought, well, let's not reinvent the wheel. So we called it the Southern African Times and started from there. Okay, okay, that yeah. ties in. So you're pretty much based right here in the UK, from my understanding, is it? Because yeah, when I look at back at a lot, a lot of newspapers, you know, in when you go to Zim papers, we do have obviously our traditionals, the, the heralds, and the like. Um, did you sort of deliberately try to start off in the UK because you felt then there was a there was a gap here in the UK, or how, what well, was your thinking behind that? Well, I, I was thinking about, you know, the UK presents its own advantages. You have over 250 banks, right? And yeah. it's the financial global center, right? Yeah. Uh, London is a, a great hub. And if you want to talk about market insight, you know, financial insight and so forth, it's going to be difficult to do it anywhere else in the world but London. And, and so the nature of the paper was, of course, an African paper, but that's trying to be a, a Bloomberg within Africa trying to be a Thomson Reuters within Africa, but not only just Africa, but to the world. Okay. Right? So yeah. we wanted to provide market insight here in the belly of the beast uh, by aligning with the Mexican Queensland in Africa, you know, assuming an editorial position that is not, you know, not unfamiliar when you compare it to its other, you know, to the other papers. So we wanted to literally build a company that looked, you know, and sounded like the outside world, Mm -hmm. But its values and its determinations are African. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was deliberate. Officially, when did you launch then? Because uh, from my understanding, so it's nearly two years now. Yeah, it's, it's nearly two years now. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So officially, uh, of course, when I, I had the idea, you, you know, quite early on, but uh, we officially launched, uh, I believe it was, uh, yeah, 2029, what was it? Uh, 2019, October. Okay. Okay, yeah, so you launched, you launched your own website, and how do you sort of distribute your news? Is it on just on pretty much on social media, or uh, what are the platforms basically that we can access uh, the Southern African Times? Oh, okay, so the Southern African Times is on all social media platforms, including YouTube, uh, so the Twitter, your Facebook, your Instagram, your LinkedIn. Our primary area is linkedin we found that okay. we are, we've grown we've grown a very good reading culture and quite a, a large chunk of our engagement is on linkedin but we are on the facebook and instagram and so forth uh, the traditional media platforms uh but yeah it's a purely website paper but uh, the good news is that you catch us in a very good time we've uh, recently uh, partnered up with pressreader.com so we're now going towards print uh, okay. So we'll be, we'll have print copies, but uh, these will be business to business uh, print copies. So you're talking about your, uh, you know, um, your British Airways, your Emirates, your, 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 uh, your hotels, uh, Marriotts, the Cruisers, uh, and so forth. So all these hotel groups and airlines will be now distributing there. The universities as well will be on press reader through that platform. I will also be in the United States as well. Uh, through pressreader.com so give us we signed a global distribution uh, deal so it's the equivalent of uh, it's a new it's a newspaper version of uh, Netflix if you will okay and we have a yeah we it gives us global coverage so we won't just be digital now we'll now of course be uh, now having print uh, to, if it's uh, business to business if you work for Ernst & Young and so forth you can get a print, printed copy no matter where you are in the world okay and you know it and so forth yeah so it's a, a, a good opportunity for us mm. So in, in terms of that model, I just wanted to ask you, are you not a bit concerned with how sort of the newspaper industry sort of dwindling down and a lot of people have gone digital now? Um, what's your take on actually going to the traditional model of having the print 
um, perhaps not just staying digital? What was sort of your... Um, so with, 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 with us, I think the print section, um, uh, it's mainly business to business. Okay. So it's mainly big entities that will be buying the print. So you're not, or you're not relying primarily on the customer. Uh, I think that's a dying strategy. So for us, we have no focus on uh, the, cl the client buying, you know, the, the actual newspaper. We rather the, the client subscribes either via us or via print, uh, or print uh, sorry, we, uh, pressreader.com. When they subscribe okay. there, we still we still uh, get our, our subscription fee there. So we, we are going towards more of a paywall st strategy. So, and also one of the things that we've done is, unlike a lot of um, media houses, we've really looked at diversifying our sources mm. of income. Yeah. So we, we have uh, created about eight different streams of income. So we don't primarily focus on our subscription and, and advertising. These are okay, but they are secondary. But we're building our, our data supply base, you know, which is going to reproject will be one of our biggest uh, uh, streams of income. Uh, we also, you know, we have we also have a job site, you know, Sat Jobs, uh, uh, which is a, a, a job board, uh, which is also going to be a major source of uh, a stream of uh, income. We also do events, and we also uh, which combine part of our sports section. So we've got Sat Sports and we've got Sat Events, mm. and we do quite a number of hosting of conferences and restaurant tables. Uh, we do a lot of uh, climate change conferences, tourism, and, and workshops, webinars, and so forth which is also a, a critical source of income through sponsorship as well as uh, paid entrance. Um, and the other areas that we have uh, begin to do, that we have began to focus on is uh, an investment arm. So we have uh, an investment arm that focuses on consultation and you know, connecting and collaborating with companies that have uh, interest in investing in Africa and leveraging on the relationships that we, 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 we harvest through our events. So we're quite diverse in terms of uh, our, our approach to uh, what, what will be our relevant streams of income so that we don't, uh, we, we adapt to the multiple dynamics that uh, this constantly changing market entails. Okay. Yeah, because you, you touched on the point where I was going to ask you in terms of what's the, sort of the revenue model for, for online digital newspaper or new entrants, but you really mm -hmm. clearly pointed out uh, exactly what I was going to ask you. So, <laughs> so you think I'm a mouth. I, yeah. I preempted it. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of where you see things of revenue-wise growing, um, for people that are not even familiar, where, where do you see the potential the most in terms of some of the revenue models? I mean, revenue uh, For, for newspapers or for us? Uh, Just in general. general for the... For the uh, when, when you look at um, the revenue streams that you've talked about, um, mm -hmm. where, where do you see their most potential for growth in terms of? Uh, I think for, for I can start with our our company. I think the critical areas would be data. Uh, data is D going to be data. very okay. yeah. Data to us is going to be very key. Um, and that's why we uh, it's important that we line up with um, government institutions that uh, uh, whose data is not really availed. Um, yeah. Uh, and building uh, a lot of uh, data-focused infrastructure uh, for so us. Is that, sorry, just to cut you off there, are you going to be doing sort of the research, you're, uh, doing the research and providing that to institutions? or Yeah, so a, a, a bit of both. So uh, harvesting data that's pre-existing, uh, because a lot of the uh, data in Africa is quite analog. Uh, okay. It's, 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 it's very analog-based. So we're looking to digitize most of that data, harvest it, formulate it, and then equally give a... a presented as a commercial commodity to clients you know uh, around the world uh only to benefit the investment uh, potential in terms of uh, return a lot of investments is focused primarily on 
data access. Yeah, that's true. You know? yeah. yeah. So if they don't have data, they, you know, they, they literally have to be traveling to the country to then look at the processes that are there and so forth. But if they have data, they can make the decisions in a heartbeat and then simply send, uh, you know, uh, whatever processes need to be there. Uh, but it's it's less, you know, it, we are trying to bridge that gap by disallowing people to have to always travel to make an investment uh, or rather seek that, in, that information. Mm-hmm. That information should be accessible. It should be right there at your fingertips. So if you're making a decision, you're making a decision, you're raising the phone call, you're making the right appointments, you already have a sense of what portfolios you want to go into because the data is giving you that sense. You're not going there for fact-finding mission. Mm-hmm. And this is what slows down FDI, the, the lack of insight. Okay. And also it, it denies, uh, it means that a lot of the investment that goes into Africa is always traditional. It's mining, it's, it's tourism, mm-hmm. it's agriculture or whatever the case may be. But you're not growing the service industry because you don't know what custom base, what the custom base is. Mm. You know, you don't know what, what number, you, you know. So with, the, with data, uh, mm. you allow people who are off the diaspora and descent, like, for example, Zimbabweans. There are a lot of Zimbabweans who are in the diaspora that would like to invest in their country, but who have no data. There are a lot of South Africans that are outside of the country that have no data about their country. Well, South Africa does better in terms of their data reports, and they have quite a number of strong institutions that do a lot of report, reportage around that. But look at Botswana, look at Mozambique, look at Tanzania, look at, uh, look at Angola, right? These places are, are beaming with opportunities, but there's no data. Okay. Or at least if there is data, it's quite limited, it's quite scarce, and you have to literally go out and, 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 and seek it out to a particular relevant uh, channel. But you have resources, you know, through the media houses that we create, in which we can actually just onboard all this data uh, through building vehicles that, that enable people to access it, download the report, we create white papers that we present to governments, we present to, uh, to corporations here, we, we make it available for people to publish and purchase on our platform. So oh, wow. these are the opportunities that we're trying to facilitate right. so yes. that people have a wide range of opportunities. Manufacturing is a beaming industry and there are multiple areas that you can go into. Um, and and uh, I think, you know, processing industries in Africa are very strong industries, you know, because you have uh, raw material going from, uh, you know, you're going from, it's going from at the farm and going straight on to the market, right? Mm. But who's doing the tin tomatoes, you know? Mm. Who's, who's, uh, who's, who's, uh, who's uh, doing, uh, you know, packaging, you know, uh, the peas, you know, the onions, you know, who's reserving the meats that are there? You know, how are, we, how are we getting this to, 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 and also what is the network within the logistical side of it when it comes from the farm and then it's packaged, who can, who can, how can the diaspora leverage its existence within, within you know, walking distance between us and Tesco, mm. right? <coughs> what networks can we facilitate? Okay. So even like, and, and also changing the, the investment idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that people don't always think that they have to be in Nigeria and, and, and because they come from Nigeria, they have to be in Nigeria to invest in Nigeria. If you work at Ernst Young or you have networks within the city, why not facilitate opportunities between Nigerian businesses and yourself and you become the broker? Yeah. You know? yeah so there are ways we can leverage our network and our paper just seems, once it simply seeks to illuminate that and simply say, well, listen, here, 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 are, here are the multiple areas that are going on in Africa, have insight uh, and, uh, and uh, see how you can contribute to the uh, you know, development of the continent. Okay. <clears throat> you just actually gave me a question while I was asking you, in terms of our Chamber of Commerce, because we do have a Chamber of Commerce in Zimbabwe, 
isn't this sort of data that you're sort of uh, curating, is it not available already via like the Chamber of Commerce of Zimbabwe and some of these institutions uh, there? Sure. And uh, well, yeah, well, some of it is, some of it is to be fair. It's mm. just that who, who actually thinks about the Chamber of Commerce of Zimbabwe? There's not a lot of people, but I think that would yeah. be the first point of call if you want to. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do that, but there's so uh, and so media gives us the ability to we will be have a bigger reach. Okay, right? yeah, right. So so are them aligning with us because remember media we don't we don't we don't create information we seek pre existing data and we work with the organisations so that's why um, we're interested we we we, we liaise with the chamber of commerce we liaise with Zimbabwe statistical office. Uh, as we do the same thing we do in, in Botswana and Tanzania and so forth, right? So yeah, these these centers are good for us because it means that we can signpost, not only signpost, but equally report on that. Mm. Um, and that's not a lot of that's not a huge area that a lot of uh, media companies are Zimbabwe oriented, which we are not Zimbabwe oriented. But when we do touch Zimbabwe, these are the data sets that we like to focus on. Mm. We like to focus primarily <clears> on <throat> what is the market saying, ways of ways of the market, ways of potential growth within the market. Mm. Uh, and yeah, so these partnerships are, are, are good equally to us. Um, but um, and also to look at the sort of data that you know the Chamber of Commerce will also have. Uh, I think the shortcomings is that it, it lacks a sense of dynamism to the multiple adjustment factors that this market has, or European markets have, or Chinese markets have. Mm. Okay, so we can equally support them to ensure that the data requirements and the data sets that they have are constantly updated and speak to. The, the multiple changing in, uh, um, uh, dynamics of the of the global market, uh, and and uh, it it works well for them because we become an extension of 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 their of their of their their sense of um, insight into the market. So it's a, it, it's it 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 works both ways. Okay, excellent. And are you sort of in, going to be involved with the the African Union or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know with with the whole. Uh, Pan African thing now, where free trade and that, that those sort of openings. Do you see some opportunities there for you? Actually, uh, well, I, 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 I was honoured to be part of the first uh, onboarded diaspora team on the um, AU. Uh, uh, at, you know their, their their latest outreach, uh, which is part of the part of their science and technology initiatives. Mm -hmm. So uh, this week we had our first meeting, uh, which was a workshop. And uh, we were able to highlight some of our concerns. Uh, I, I, I represented the media uh, side of things, and I was able to give our insights where we think that there are shortcomings in terms of accessing information and data sets as well. And uh, we, we were able to, 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 to discuss about how we move forward and how we best work together because they're quite in, interested in working uh, and extending and expanding their operations uh, beyond just uh, what has been the traditional case. So they currently, so I was part of, I think, uh, 20 diasporans that they have recently engaged and that and that's part of the work that we're going to do and i my hope is that our company continues to expand on that relationship and uh, see areas that we can continue to forge uh, you know value uh, based uh, uh, exchanges if you will yeah definitely definitely okay so at the moment um how many people are you currently involved with uh, as partners and contributors at the at your company uh, so columnists, I think we have about 12 columnists so far. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, in terms of freelance writers, we're about uh, maybe 26. Uh, and then maybe full-time based in board, about 10 or so. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's, it's a growing team. Uh, my objective is at least in the, uh, by the third year, mm. we, we reach about 200 uh, 
uh, people that we're working with that are, you know, in terms of content provision, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, uh, it's a daily, so content is going to be king. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we currently, I think we, we've done well so far to build the structures that we've built. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a lot of things. We're quite, you know, we, we're, we're a young company, but uh, we're doing quite a lot of big things. We're punching way above our weight. And it's going to be big, you know. It's it's going to, uh, our success is going to, is premised on um, uh, the team, uh, and uh, so far we so good. Okay, and um, so day to day, what what do you sort of describe the day to day in terms of your your personal responsibilities? Um, day to day, my uh, of course you have your early morning strategy team, uh, uh, where you you meet with the editorial team to find out what the areas you know they're sort of uh, focusing on. I have discussions with the editor around uh, the areas that they are currently focusing on. Uh, I then um, I spend time with uh, the, the team of developers uh, who are always constantly onboarding and testing new technologies uh, to enhance our, our performance on the site. Uh, then I probably maybe, uh, so probably, uh, you know, maybe that uh, developers team takes about, uh, you know, an hour or so. Uh, editorial teams tend to take longer. That's where there's more squabbles where you're debating about approaches and so forth and trying to understand the direction of the editor. Um, then um, I, where, I, where I spend most of my time is, of course, the uh, uh, new business development side. Uh, that's really where I shine the most, uh, mm-hmm. the areas about what, you know, the, the bloodline of the company. Uh, the new business development tends to focus on the overall sales side of the, mm-hmm. of the company. Uh, so we look at we have we have a look at uh, set jobs. What are the requirements in terms of the sales approach to that? How can we better grow that before launch? What 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 clientele can we bring on board? What meetings need to be had? And then of course you look at all the other sectors, the areas that require sales, and then you sort of devolve these teams into looking and focusing on these different areas of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where of course we have weekly, monthly targets. You know, uh, we have daily targets and monthly targets, and then we have yeah, sorry daily, weekly, and monthly targets. So we try to make sure that those targets are in check. Uh, and then, of course, I then begin to oversee the uh, the more um, executive role uh, because of the aspects of it. What how uh, you know in terms of from uh, when I discuss with the CEO or the CFO about what the overall vision uh, is going to be for the next month, uh, two months, and we sort of like have a day to day. So we we sort of plan and then we work backwards. So we break it down in in small chunks of tasks. Mm-hmm. to just oversee where, where we're going as a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those discussions tend to take uh, a bit longer because the, you know, you're focused primarily on uh, overall strategy. Uh, of uh, you know, You're looking at your, your competition, you're looking at the market, you're looking at what's new, what's funky, what do you have a budget for, what do you not have a budget for. Uh, and if you don't have the budget, who do we need to speak to to get the budget? Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then... Um, and then, and then, uh, and then, uh, the rest of my day is focused on uh, primarily, you know, pl- planning for the next day or taking meetings uh, with external companies. Uh, just last week, we had quite a number of meetings with Reed and uh, Indeed and so forth because our focus was focused on uh, uh, the job board when we're trying to build uh, alliances with these different job board companies, right? And uh, mm-hmm. reaching out to a number of uh, uh, job boards in, uh, in, uh, all over the world and seeing where we can collaborate. Uh, and then uh, pretty much the rest of my day focuses on uh, evaluating. I try to take, uh, before that, I try to take an hour out, two hours out. Uh, either I take a nap because my day starts at four o'clock. So I either take a nap or, mm. uh, or I, uh, I read. 
you know, if I have the strength. I was just reading uh, now, I was reading, uh, ironically, I was reading Noam Chomsky, you know, Manufactured Consent. Um, and it's a bashing media. So I'm sort of like <laughs> the right line, uh, right line of work, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, and then, you know, and then after that, you know, I tried to, uh, I've been trying to find a work-life balance. You know, I have a daughter and, uh, and I'm a single father. So I try to, you know, make time for that. You know, be it if I have a during the week, uh, you know, I'm with her. If I don't, I try to make time for her on FaceTime so we can have a catch up. And, yeah. you know, so, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a simple, straightforward life. And then, you know, if, uh, maybe I, I then continue to take meetings until about late, late hours, maybe until about 10 o'clock. Then I, you know, go to bed and I uh, start again. Okay. Yes. Sounds like a busy, busy man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Keeping you on your toes. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to ask you before, obviously, you started um, with the Southern African Times, you're also heavily involved in recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know a lot of Zimbabweans in the UK, and they're actually involved in the, in the care industry, where there's mm-hmm. running companies, there's healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Can you just touch on that? Um, your sort of experience and some of the lessons you've learned in that industry? Uh, about how to start and grow perhaps a recruitment agency, for example, because I know you've been involved in that sort of sphere for quite a while now. Yeah, sure. Oh, well, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, uh, so uh, my, my, my company was called Timeflex Recruitment. Uh, we focus primarily on um, uh, the nurses, uh, doctors, uh, social workers. Okay. Um, uh, we sort of shied away from domiciliary. I thought it was, uh, well, to me, it was a lot of work, but very little money uh, and didn't make sense to me. Uh, but we focus primarily on uh, three areas. We focused on uh, permanent placements lo- uh, and uh, low coming and mm-hmm. uh, occasional ad hoc. Uh, but I, I like to stay away from ad hoc. But so the primary areas we focused on was low coming and permanent placements. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we started, uh, I think one of our first contracts was the, uh, the state, uh, Jersey State, uh, the state of Jersey. Uh, okay. And, and uh, we, we had. Uh, our first contract was a permanent placement of a, a, um, a matron. Uh, and how we did that, of course, uh, in, in, in recruitment, I often say that, you know, it's about uh, uh, sales development, you know. And uh, before anything, I'm a salesman. Okay. okay? Uh, so recruitment, what I found was uh, the best way to go. So I, like I would tell you the targets that I had. I'd make 100 phone calls a day. And the yeah, expectation so. <laughs> that out of that, you know, out of out of 104 calls a day, I would expect that 10 of them would be prospective business, and then two had to be closed business. And that was my daily target. And monthly, to, my my weekly target would be at least to ensure that I have at least 15 prospective pipeline projects on on the board with actual costings and valuations of the value of the contract that we're paying for. And on a monthly basis, we'd look at uh, you know uh, what's what's the, what's the board figure we're looking for. So when we started initially with our company. Monthly base target per salesperson was twenty thousand pounds, because twenty thousand I knew that uh, what five thousand pays for my desk, mm. pays for my wage, pays for my desk, you know, pays for the the bills and uh, and then the rest is uh, money that goes to the house, the company, right? Mm. So that's how we started the company. So we had a, we we did one placement, got our first check, and then they asked for another cl- candidate. We then got uh, three local placements with them. Uh, we placed uh, uh, two, two, two nurses and I think one social worker. Uh, and then we moved on. We went in for the, the um, NHS contract. We had a, a contract with St. Andrews. We had a contract with Signet. We had a contract with, uh, with uh, what you call it, the, the, the Priory. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, so uh, we had a who else contract with uh, what was that company? Uh, I think it was a Greenwich or something. It was a hospital in Greenwich, and then the local councils, uh, Central Bedfordshire, and so forth. They were supplying, you know, social workers, and then we, we built the company from there. So we started off as just me and my older brother uh, from zero income. I think uh, the 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 startup fees we had up front was like two thousand pounds. Because mm. uh, it doesn't really cost much. I see a lot of people, you know, spending a lot of money into these things. Like, for example, local work, you don't actually need any CQC. Yeah. And, you know, you don't need much yeah. uh, startup cost. So you find yeah. that a lot of people put in a lot of money in without. Whereas with me, I said, I said to my brother, the money that we're putting up is paying for a website, you know, you know, uh, formal stuff, uh, branding stuff, and so forth. But otherwise, we're not going to go in, we're not going to pay for CQC. We're not going to pay for uh, money up front that we, we, you know, we don't necessarily need. And everyone has their own approach. I mean, some people go into domiciliary and are happy with that. But mm-hmm. for me, it was just, uh, it was just too much work. Um, mm-hmm. And with, with very, very low margins, mm-hmm. the bottom line is, yeah. Whereas with local, I knew my margins were very high, um, you know, because even like the, the typical salary, what this typical, typical pay would be what would pay about what, our staff would pay them about maybe uh, we would charge the invoicing rate would be maybe 31 pounds, right? Average. Mm-hmm. And we're paying 25, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you look at it, you know, the, the, you're, you're, you're making above, you know, uh, a, 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 a typical, you know, you're, you're making about 20% for profit margin. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, and you, if you're thinking, if you think about that, you're doing that per hour and you're billing and you've got like maybe over 26 people outside, you know, Typically in profit, you're making about five grand. Uh, so, you know, as a start, it's, it's, it's a good place to start. So, um, so we focus on that primarily. That's, uh, so we built that company. I eventually stepped down, so sold my shares and focused on building my next project. For me, I always like starting up building the company. And when I get to a brain run, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I move on to the next. Um, so yeah, this is, this is a, the next project that we're building. I hope to, to, to build this up to, uh, we're, we're estimating that we get it up uh, to above at least uh, 63 million. Uh, so we, we, that's our, our target. Mm-hmm. And if we get there, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out where we go from there. Okay. You can retire with the boat on the, on the cruise. Ah, no, no. <laughs> no, no, I, yeah. I, 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 no, I'm not joking. I <laughs> yeah. No, so I, it's, uh, just it's a bit more stuff. Build more stuff. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I, like, I, like, I, I, I like your vision with that. Yeah. So I just want to ask you in terms of um, what do you feel has been your biggest lesson so far in business, um, just in general over your last uh, business? My greatest, uh, failure, failure. I failed a lot. I mm-hmm. failed a lot. And uh, failure has taught me how to be more responsible with money, how to be more accountable with money. Um, failure has taught me uh, to, to, be, to depend on a team, on a strong mm-hmm. team. Uh, failure has taught me to always learn to capacitate yourself where you feel that you have no capacity. Okay. Um, uh, and failure has taught me humility. Mm. Yeah. So those are the major lessons I would say. Mm, okay. Fair, fair enough. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. A lot of people will be listening. They can possibly relate to that. Because mm. I think most of the time you only learn from your failures. If you, if you just hit success after success, you never really have the time to stop and reflect on what, what things have worked and, yeah, what, what, uh, what hasn't? Yeah, and true. things you can yeah. take on, really. Yeah. Mm. So I think, yeah, we, we just covered pretty much uh, a few of the business stuff I wanted to ask you about. So, mm-hmm. in terms of um, the final segment, I just wanted just to just to ask you uh, just about your personal background, where you grew up, that sort of thing. 
we always just like to know people or guests that come onto the podcast. So mm-hmm. people that at least when they see in the street, they're like, oh, okay, and we know. Yeah. <laughs> nah, story, nah. Basically. yeah so um, I know before we were talking, uh, your old man, uh, he, he's part of the liberation of struggle and Zim. Uh, he's a huge political figure back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, can you just tell us about where you were born, uh, that sort of thing, perhaps leading towards where you are currently now? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, my dad, uh, BBC Movuti, uh, he was uh, a prominent uh, Bloyo-based uh, businessman. Uh, his company uh, currently still exists, uh, 30, over 32 years now in the, in the family, uh, best of form. Um, it's a polythene manufacturing company based in Arare. Hey, what, sorry? Uh, what polythene, man, polythene manufacturing polythene. company. Okay. Polythene, yeah. So it makes, uh, it makes uh, the product and then it makes sofas, uh, oh, furniture, sofa. uh, oh, yeah. Sure beds and so forth, uh, car seats and so forth. So he used to, mm. back in the day, he used to be the main supplier for, for Mazda when we had to be the local supply uh, uh, plant. Um, and uh, yeah, he was just generally a, a business person. I was, I was born and raised in Bluejo mm. um, and uh, went, to, went to school there, primary hillside. Uh, you know, I, I was just uh, um, a, young, a, a young dude who just, uh, you know, who always, uh, I, I, I suppose... Thanks to my dad, I always, I always wanted to find solutions to the challenges our country had, whatever those challenges may have been. I, I was raised a, a, a very staunch Pan-Africanist uh, to, to believe in, in one's uh, own sense of um, identity and history. Uh, I learned quite a lot about my, my family heritage, mm. um, you know, spanning back to, you know, as far back as, you know, the 1200s, you know, so we can literally trace our, 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 our DNA. Uh, as the people, as the Vuti, or that now the surname now being Mufuti. Uh, and uh, I think I then came here relatively after high school. I, I then went to, I came to the UK in 2005. And, uh, you know, we started uh, initially it was to do academic uh, work. I then eventually wanted to, I, I decided to go straight into uh, commercial. I had been headhunted by Barclay Card at the time. And uh, I just started, uh, I just went straight into commercial work and then sort of went to university later on in life, of which in the end I didn't finish. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I focused primarily on, you know, what I'm, what I'm currently doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, Where were you studying in university at that time? At the time, we start, I was doing nursing, actually. Um, I was doing nursing, mental health nursing at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, you know, I, I got, I, I then started my own company, the, the recruitment company, I then dropped out. Yeah. Uh, then, um, uh, then I, 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 I'm currently doing what I'm doing now. Uh, but I think uh, what I learned from my father primarily, and 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 also uh, my grandmother and my mother, who have, because uh, uh, my dad does take a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I give I, I give him a little bit of credit, but I think most credit goes to my mother and uh, my grandmother, who whose sense of, um, um training in, mm. in, 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 in not giving up and not, uh, and uh, always have the fighting spirit that no matter where you are in life, you just continue fighting. I get that a lot from my mother. My mother used to defend people that were, 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 were vulnerable. She used to speak out for people that were vulnerable. So she taught me uh, the, the strength in being, uh, knowing your language, uh, being a reader, being articulate, communicating with, with a sense of clarity. 
uh, in order to defend those that can't, being a voice for the voiceless. So she sort of gave me my spirit, uh, I think. And then my dad gave me sales, you know, my sales ability. <laughs> <Silly>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that he, he definitely gave me that. And, and, and my grandmother gave me a, a strong sense of spirituality. Um, so, yeah, that, that's me. That's my upbringing. That's uh, yeah, why I... Mm. Okay. Mm. And I, I think you also didn't touch on, um, you also do music as well. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Before, oh, yeah. before Scream, I don't know. Are you still doing that as a as a hobby or is it something yeah, you're really yeah, taking it seriously? Yeah, I, no, I do it as sure. a hobby. I, I, I once took it, I, I, I once took it quite seriously. You know, I, I've always said to myself that my life is, I've always wanted to fully explore all my potential. Yeah. So I've, I've worked as a, a full-time musician. Uh, at, at some point in my life, and I toured the the country, uh, you know, with the band at the at the t- at the time we called ourselves Rye and the Forest Dawn. Mm-hmm. You know, a few friends of mine, some from Jamaica, some from, from some English players, and so forth. And we, mm-hmm. we played the festival circuit, and we had a great time doing that. And I I don't regret those times. It's been you know, but now what what I tend to do is, uh, like I can be called for a show here and there, mm-hmm. and uh, as part of my hobby, from if, if I'm free during that weekend, I go out there and I play and. I have a great time and it's good for my daughter because my daughter is she's four now and she's very musical she's enjoying that she's learning the piano <laughs> so yeah. you know it's good to still remain close to music so that she also you know because she's quite talented I, I see her doing quite well in that if that's what she chooses to do okay and do you play yeah. any, any instruments at the moment not at all not at all uh, i suppose I, I'm, I'm i'm lazy uh <laughs> to learn if i'm being honest so i i i enjoy writing I write a, a lot of music. Uh, I, I write my own music. I, I, I still write for others. You know, I still, yeah. I still step in the studio and when other musicians call me and ask me to write, I still write. I still enjoy doing that. Uh, maybe, you know, in, in, in my retired age, who knows, maybe I might get a publishing deal here and there, maybe a few publishing <laughs> yeah, <why> checks. <laughs> uh, you know, why not? I'll be happy to do, to do that. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, writing that's, is, that's, yeah. is definitely in your field, obviously, with the with the newspaper, yeah, right? yeah, it's all writing. Yeah, so yeah, it's all writing. Yeah. Definitely complement each other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I think we pretty much covered quite a lot of the things that we wanted to talk about. And thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thank I just you want to ask you before we wrap up: Is there anything uh, in, in particular that you feel we haven't discussed? Any initiatives? Any sort of thing uh, that you perhaps want people to know uh, about? Let me think. Um, I wasn't quite prepared, but I, I do know that we have a. A mental. Uh, so one of the things I like to advocate for is mental health amongst men, black men especially. And uh, I'm part of a, a, a company called Empilo, who are who have a mental health awareness workshop uh, uh, start beginning from the eighth of May. Uh, so maybe just yeah, if if people could just look out for that on any social media platform of the South African Times. I think we've posted the data, the date, and the details on online. Uh, but Empilo is E M P L Y O. Um, okay. Yeah, something like that. Uh, MP, uh, e M P Y L O, sorry. E M P Y L O, yeah, and Pillow. Uh, and uh, they're doing fantastic work in this company that uh, the South African Times support because we're really keen on mental health awareness uh, mm. and uh, how it's important within our, within our community. A lot of people, especially men, are not coming out, they're not talking, they're not communicating about their issues around well-being so i definitely want to you know talk about that now i'd like people to come to this workshop and i like our community to you know let's go see therapists let's yeah let's have group let's get uh, discussions yeah, definitely. let's get the necessary support so yeah that would be one thing i'm a big advocate for and perhaps uh, it's important to mention 
Yeah, definitely. Because uh, you really touched on the nerve there. Because as a mental health professional myself, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely people look after your mental health. And it's the same way you look after your physical health. Yeah. Like the mind gym. Yeah. So, yeah. Mind gym. <laughs> yeah. It's and read. Let's read. Let's read. Let's read. Let's society read. that reads. Yeah. Please. Exactly. Yes, and, yes, yeah, yeah. Definitely want to change, change the dynamic a lot of the things. We're the future leaders anyway. Yeah. And yeah, we all have to play our part, really. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, again, thanks again, Farai, uh, for coming thank on you. the podcast. And uh, to all our listeners, to all our viewers, again, uh, thanks again for following us and supporting us so far. This is episode 10. And we're definitely looking for more episodes to come with more exciting guests like Farai. And again, uh, thanks again. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. <laughs> Take care.